Welcome to Rabona's podcast. Super unusual, unusual lineup. The first timers, actually. My good friend Augusta Shulauskas and myself, Donatos Urbanas. There's no Ritas. It's so weird without him here. It's just weird to be just two of us here, but he has like five and or six <laughs> other shows, responsibilities and duties. We also had some very nice live event with Lithuanian podcast uh, today in Vilnius. So we couldn't find a good time for all of us uh, to come here for the pod. But, you know, we're facing the double uh, game week, so there's no chance we can skip. Uh, we just had to do it. Availability. We just had to do it. Especially after the last today. week, which which brought a lot of interesting events, both outside and uh, both on, on and uh, off the floor. You can actually say that there was something interesting in every game that you know we should uh talk about first uh on thursday we had four games finishing by two or three point difference mm. each each of the four games then some um you know and, and what what was interesting that you know a lot of teams were lacking of killer instinct because many teams who were behind they actually won the game i mean and the biggest one for sure was uh you know unlucky let's say partisan in my eyes oh yeah you know, Basconi had some crazy luck for, like, in my eyes, involved in that game in, mm. the, in the last seconds. And Partizan was up five by five points with in the overtime also. Yeah, and man the man overtime. managed to lose it again. And they were up by four with 23 seconds to play. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah, that was some crazy shot making from uh, Basconia. First, uh, Darius Thompson hit a crazy three-pointer and obviously you know first player that comes to mind after watching that game is marcus howard i'm pretty happy to have included him in the fantasy no no, no not in fantasy no let's leave fantasy alone okay you know? let's go to some serious things <laughs> yeah some you included serious him things. in like the most promising euroleague rookies list right yeah there was uh there were five newcomers that could change the euroleague uh landscape and mm. one of the names mentioned was marcus howard even though he had a Let's say not a tough preseason, but you know, like he was so, inconsistent. He was in, he is just just a normal preseason for someone who has never played in Europe, and exactly. And you know, preseason is still preseason, so you can't really be serious about it. But in this game, he showed what he's capable of. I mean, just the tough shot making, and um, you know how they used to say about J.R. Smith in the NBA league: tough shot taker, tough shot maker. He is. Like he's in in that category for me, and uh, the last shot to force the overtime was something incredible. I mean, just those two little hesitation moves that he exactly. that that he did was the were the difference makers, and without them, he might get he might got it blocked for sure. Or on just the, on the last got attempt. fouled, you know, for for the two free throws, and that's exactly what I wanted to to focus on because you mentioned that there was luck a lot of luck behind Bisconi's mm -hmm. win. And that shot also could seem like to be a miraculous one, but actually, you know, he worked his path to, to, you know, to create that shot situation for mm. himself. Even though, you know, with th these two hesitation moves to go on left, even after that, it was super tough shots. I mean, uh, there Kevin, was still Kevin Panther was hanging was on and Zachary Day was coming uh, yeah. as well. Although uh, I saw that Jelka was also mad, uh, very mad after that play. And of not course. just because Kevin Punter or Lide didn't follow him, but I think that he wanted to say that both Nunnally and Lazard should have gone uh, go, you know, Howard's uh, way just to try to mm. stop him or follow him. Because 
if I remember well, Nunnally was just uh, going low uh, in the paint under the basket. The Zord was also... He, he wasn't on anybody's... Uh, he wasn't defending anybody. Mm -hmm. So instead of that, I mean, who cares about a rebound? There's no time for a rebound. Sure. So maybe Jelko thought that it was about, you know, just go, all of you, just go on Marcus Howard to stop him, mm -hmm. either by following him or complicating the shot as much as possible. But, you know, it's... I mean, it's tough or maybe not tough but weird for a player to if you already see someone uh, really close to the player like Kevin Punter was there and Zach Lee was also kind of in a mix it's really hard for another player to say okay I'm going to be there as well like if you see already uh -huh. two players yeah. next to some offensive player with the ball even you know down three your instinct is to you know see some other guys or just go for a rebound. I know there is no time probably left for another shot or you don't even care about a, about a layup. But if you already see two players like in a two meters radius of, 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 of an offensive player, it's it's hard to, you know, to I be agree. such quick with the with the thinking and okay, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go triple team that guy. Yeah. And especially we're talking about the transition. Uh, possession because James only missed the second free throw, yeah. so it's really hard, you know, to figure out who's on who, who's open and who's not. But I think that the mistake uh, Punter and Lidia did was that they go, they went lower. You know, they mm. didn't approach uh, Marcus Howard going forward and trying to follow him as soon as possible. Mm. It felt like they still, you know, kind of hesitated what to do, when to follow him, and you know, it just caused them a game basically. That's crazy. I mean. First, they are down by four. And um, by the way, about those hesitations, it's, it's something uh, I used to see, you know, Kobe Bryant do on all of these game winners because usually he was he was double teamed in those situations or he was denied from the ball. So he knew that in the last seconds, you know, on if you are faking some some opponent, they are going to jump because it's such a intense situation it's everyone instant. is like i'm trying to block this shot i'm trying to do my best on the defense so and especially when it's kobe i mean yeah, yeah you know he's going to take the last shot and probably after six three pointers of marcus howard you know everyone knew in partisan who is going to take the last shot so uh and howard knew that they are going to jump as well so it's just you know a chess game going on in the moments in a you know some seconds little little yeah, Howard had 30. 33 um, with overtime, but he already had 28 points. And, you know, I was surprised that Basconia started the extra time with Howard on the bench. And Howard mm. was actually already on the bench in the last minutes of the fourth quarter. And I was, I was looking at that guy. He was sitting on the bench. And thank God he was, you know, he, he was subbed in again for the last possession for mm -hmm. James Nunnally free throws bec because I was like, he already has 25 points. He's super hot why he is on the bench but this is something he has to go through because i remember that in the, even in the spanish league there was the game against unicaja i think that there was he played only like seven or eight minutes and he sp scored 15 points mm. and i kind of get it that you know he's not the best defensive player and that's the thing why he couldn't stay in the nba for example although denner was really happy with him when jamal murray got hurt and marcus howard got his chance and he was doing really good as a scorer i mean he's a poor scorer and mm. he had multiple 20 plus uh, point games in the nba and you know i was kind of surprised that he uh 
him here to Europe, and I was sure that he will have these explosive performances because he's a great dude. Uh, he doesn't have any, you know, let's say off the court issues, which you might think of, you know, watching that kind of caliber score coming to Europe or not adjusting in the NBA. Okay, he's small. He defense is not his strength, but I mean, when you have guy, you know, scoring that much in that game, and when you need scoring in the last few possessions, I was just surprised, you know, how Penroya uh, treated him. But these games, I think that you know, he will kind of uh, work his way. Uh, work, he will work his minutes on the court. I mean, it's probably going to be like that. Uh, you know, this. Uh jumping from uh, sub being substituted for defense and then going on, on the court for offense. We, we see that on uh, on uh, various teams actually doing, especially with the, uh, you know, one meter and, and 80 centimeters dudes, you know, this is this is a theme. And, uh, you know, just as an exa- as the most recent example, we can see, you know, how it didn't actually work for Isaiah Cannon against bigger defenders in the game against Jalgiris, where Ignaz Brazdekis, where, you know, it was a, it was a, an accent of, of Jalgiris to, to attack him in the paint. So it's, it's a normal um, thing, I think, nowadays in, the, in this basketball, just to substitute your, uh, let's say, smallest player for the last defensive possessions. But uh, I wanted to, to ask you, like, who, which... One, one, one fun fact about Howard. Uh, in the fourth quarter and in overtime, he played seven minutes and he scored 17 points. His plus and minus was plus 15. For Only sure best on the court. But uh, plus 15 all the time or? For, just for the fourth quarter and the okay. overtime. That's incredible. points in seven minutes. That's efficiency. Yeah. <laughs> Three what po- was your almost. question? Um, who is the most surprising thing for you? Alba Berlin being 2-0, Basconia being 2-0, or Yanulis uh, Larenzakis hitting two daggers in the first two rounds of the EuroLeague? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Olympiacos fans know that I'm a big uh, Larenzakis lover. Actually, this pod is, uh, is, is paid by Larenzakis and his camp because he won his t-shirt. I didn't know that, actually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that information we'll didn't arrive We'll talk about it after okay. the pods, yeah. Uh, but... I would say, I would say Basconia, because you know when I put Alba so high in my power power rankings, mm. I took into account their chemistry that they played together the whole entire season. They have few players who improving a lot uh, mm. during the past few months, and I thought that chemistry compared to other bottom teams, which went on rebuilds, which had a lot of changes, will play its role. And it happened. I didn't expect anything from Basconia. I mean, I thought that it's, mm. it's going to be one of the worst uh, teams. But the way they, they, they won they won a very solid game against Valencia. Now they, they, they were fighting. I love that fighting spirit from them. Although I hate how they're crying towards refereeing, especially. I, I'm so surprised. I mean, Costello is is just blowing my mind all the time. I mean, he he, he <laughs> ran like a train to James Nunnally. He <laughs> fouled him, and he was like, what? What foul? And then he actually elbowed Kevin Punter, and it's, it was very thin line between just a regular foul and a sportsman-like foul. And he was, again, surprised, astonished, and he was, like, arguing with the referee if uh, Punter flopped. So, anyway, that's just a topic. But I'm, I really like this team uh, so far. They're really surprising me. So, I think that Basconia surprised, surprised the, the okay. most. I was watching that game uh, the last five minutes and the overtime uh, without no sound. Mm. So it was <laughs> it was so funny to see the reactions of Basconia players. 
after every um, whistle, it was just crazy to see him them jumping and and then, you know, Can you imagine? Sc- screaming in the silence and just running around the court. But but it was just just look at look at those last five minutes without the sound i'm telling you it's 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 super funny just just those uh scenes and you can just put benny hill's show uh, as the veeam song you know uh, on, on these plays yeah anyway um, back back to my own question uh i mean i i, I put alba in the last place and uh that looks bastards. like uh, that looks like a really bad prediction but it's um, gonna be one of many bad predictions we've actually made before oh, the season sure that's you know, how it goes. That's that's the part of the game. That's why we love basketball, actually. You yeah. know, the surprises, there's some teams. I mean, it's only two games, so we can't really make conclusions. But, you know, winning in Milan, even against uh, not the most in-shape Milan team, is uh, is huge. And uh, destroying parties on it at home, uh, playing beautiful basketball, beautiful offense is is really noteworthy. One of the potential Cinderella stories for the season. Just, just to wrap up about the uh, Partizan and Basconia game. I think that one more time, Partizan, you know, got this. Okay, it's hard to say that these players got the lesson because we're talking about Kevin Punter, exactly the James Nunnally, Nunnally, very experienced players. But I mean, this game, this example, these last five minutes of the uh, regulation showed how important details are. You said you watched these uh, last five minutes of, of the fourth quarter. I mean, Yanis Papapetro throwing the ball in Kevin Punter's back. Exactly, they he cannot catch the pass, just a regular pass of Kevin Punter. James Nunnally is a 91% free throw shooting in his yearly career. He missed two free throws in the fourth quarter. Exactly, they uh, as well. Some some stupid fouls and bonus situations sending Basconia to the free throw line. And these, you know, these situations... Okay, I'm not saying that it was easy to foul Marcus Howard, but, you know, that's how it's supposed to be. You can watch the game between Panathinaikos and Restar. It was the same situation. Andrew, Andrew, Andrew Andrews made, you know... Just as I said, he was going forward just to foul mm-hmm. as soon as possible. I don't remember who had the ball from Restar. Anyway, I mean... This team, you know, in, when we are talking about the last five minutes of the game and we're talking about the tied game and the EuroLeague, these details, they cost you the game. And that's a big, big um, blow, I would say, for Partizan because it's going to be very difficult uh, double week for them. I have both of their games, let's say, marked on my cal- calendar uh, mm. for the games to watch uh, recommendations because now I think that they will play both games at home yeah, they're playing on Tuesday against uh, Milan. Yeah. And the next game is against Virtus. Uh, yeah, against Virtus. Two very difficult games. And you're out too. You're facing very difficult opponents. And just imagine if they're going to start the Euroleague season with 0-4. I mean, th- that's tough. But, you know, they, they are going to be playing at home and that's going to be a different partisan. I think we are going to, we are going to witness the, this week. I mean, they played they played better already this week than they did in the uh, against Berlin and um like you said just just those little details and some luck and I would love to I would have loved to seen some better offense against the switch all in the last seconds mm-hmm. in the last minutes um but uh, you know just one made free throw and they they would have been one and one so I, I wouldn't be that uh, worried about about them 
can you name a person which hugged you with so much love as Jelko Bradovic hugged Kevin Punter when he <laughs> made one of the clutch two-pointers? And that was actually funny because our uh, social media posted like uh, like Partizan already won the game <laughs> and then 25 seconds later it's in overtime and, and they lose it. <laughs> now, it was a beautiful moment. I, even their connection, yeah. this is something special. I mean, Kevin Punter, I think that there was an article. I, he might be the first American player who is the captain of Partizan team. And that's a huge I responsibility. Remember I remember that. We and, you know, I, I always knew Kevin Punter as a pure scorer, one of the elite scorers. He, I was super surprised when he went to EuroCup because, you know, for me, he was like probably top three scorer in the in the competition. Mm -hmm. But this is it. I just thought that this guy was all about scoring, about making shots. But then I get to know him personally uh, through the podcast, um, researching his uh, story. I got to listen to him and how clever he was, how good he was reading the game, and how he developed and adjusted his game. And now I saw, you know, what kind of example he was in Partizan last uh, season for these young Serbian or just Balkan, uh, you know, players, leading by an example, being in the, uh, you know, staying in the mm. post uh, practices uh, for, for some additional shots and leading the team by example, and how he found this w communication, his this relationship with Jelko. I mean, this is something rare. And Jelko, you know, have this connection with with very few American players, I would say, with the best ones we can remember in yearly history. So it tells a lot about Kevin Punter, what kind of player and, you know, leader uh, he's becoming and he's just maturing and coming at his peak. So mm. that's just wonderful. Okay, let's go to the second... Uh... We, we're supposed to start from the game of the week. Uh, but... but I guess we are going for the next uh, interesting ending now you, you think so yeah I think you want so. to keep this for let's say some cake uh, yeah the of game course of the okay you know, we can mike, do it. mike james versus if we start with these interesting endings endings we should follow up with uh, as well and uh, valencia game just before that very quick reminder you can join basketnews.com plus basket news plus a community uh to get some extra content this is our weekly pod which is available for all of you and which will be available all the time at least once per week but we also we will have the q a session every two weeks uh, uh, as well to answer your questions but this will be possible only if you guys gonna join the bn plus community which has a lot of other uh, good features including extra coverage or for example breakdowns by augustus he already did um, the coverage of alba berlin and partisan game for basket news plus uh, community uh we're gonna share more uh, weekly uh, opinion articles also it is gonna do betting uh, uh, opinions uh you can mm, surf uh bassinews.com with ads free uh, you will be able to join our facebook community for direct communication to get some more behind the scenes stuff even to make some impact uh for our content including the pod so Join Basket News Plus, Plus community. Uh, you, you can find free subscription levels on basketnews.com slash plus. Yeah, let's go with the <laughs> with this game. It was it was it was terrible evening in Valencia. I would say. I mean, just the reaction uh, on Alex Mumbrou's face after the final whistle told you everything that you that you needed to know about that game. And, uh, but, you know, we were kind of praising the refs 
uh, <laughs> last week, you know, yeah. after, you know, the Eurobasket, but um, that review that was made on the Nando, wait, uh, Nando yeah. Decolo shot, right? Yeah, yeah. The and first uh, the first one. And for on the broadcast, for us, for the spectators, it was an amazing uh, review because you can be 99% sure that the ball did hit the rim. Mm -hmm. um, there was a question, you know, Joffrey Lewerne got the rebound, maybe he was on the line, so, you know. But, but this is something extra, and this is this not is what, what, what was, wasn't on the video yeah. review, let's say. But the angle uh, that was shown to the refs was crazy. I mean, why did, why did it show only one or two angles and not the one that we saw? In, in in and in that one was clear that the ball hit the rim, and but it was it was kind of rushed review for me exactly. as well. Why they didn't ask for another angle? Because they just got know. the same angle for a few times, and from that angle, it's really hard to say it actually hit the rim. But as you mentioned, from the very very first review, it was obvious. Even some asphalt players uh, were showing, you know, that we we already saw it on the court. How possible that after mm. video review you give the ball to Valencia? So, but then there was Very a moment strange. for for a return for some other questionable <laughs> call. Although, if I look at that situation, I even think that you know that Nando the Colo situation was a bigger mistake than the second one because this. You mean the Harper shot? Harper shot. Harper shot was interesting from the officiating okay. standpoint. What do you think? Uh, I'm not a fan of this Reggie Miller foul call for you know kicking legs uh, uh -huh. while shooting. You mean it shouldn't be an offensive foul? There are there are so many different angles for so this situation. Layers, first of all, so many layers. Exactly. <laughs> the first and the foremost, the most important thing. I think it's the same in the NBA for a lot of other charging fouls. You're not awarded for free throws for yeah. that situation. Yeah. yeah. There's completely I mean, agree. It's it doesn't make any it's sense. It's an offensive foul. Exactly, and there's no threat to the opposite basketball. A basket, and I mean, I know that's part of the rules. I know it's written in the rule book. I, I actually but can was you just update no. the book? You know, after the season, and especially now after the situation, there were a lot of other situations in previous years. But come on, let's just make some updates. You cannot give two free throws for that kind of offensive foul. It doesn't make any sense. You told me to watch Valencia as well because uh, I didn't watch it in real life, and I was like, you said you watch the game. It's gonna <laughs> be a, a great ending, you know, an interesting end. And I'm like. Watching the game, okay. Valencia is well interesting, any come on. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I know, I know. Continue. Uh, and then it was like, okay, so here the ball hit the rim, and then we got an offensive foul, and they got two free throws because I actually didn't know this this rule that the kick is is not uh, like treated as an as an offensive foul. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh my god, it's actually going to be two free throws, and they're basically winning the game by playing defense, uh, which is nice, but not in this situation. You know, this is where saying you know defense wins you games and championships and goes really, and in, in true. But uh, for me, first of all, it wasn't an offense. Uh, it was it was you know not a defensive foul. Like it was a good call for me. Mm. But, I, but I it, probably, sh it shouldn't I, have been two free throws. I, I think mean, that's. Uh, mm, I mean, I know the I know the rules now, yeah. but uh, for me, it shouldn't be two free throws. But I think John Amadeus did a great job defending, and Jared Harper was way too extra with the kick. I mean, he was not jumping 
into his pace. Jared Harper was jumping into uh -huh. John Matthews' pace and even did the kick, you know, uh, I think to uh, intentionally to get the foul to get the foul called. So I think that was a great uh, uh, call by the referees, but I just don't understand the rule which gives you know you two free throws. Mm. It's it should have been an often it just should be an offensive foul and that's it. But you know I I think I'm I'm also on that side of let's say agreeing with you more than disagreeing. Mm. Uh, but did you watch you know the upper body what was going there because we will we were all focusing on you know the kick oh the but i the, think the that hand Matthews, contact. he actually hit his fingers and mm. i think that he hit that was, his fingers that was close that was close first and then you know this kick followed so mm. but okay i mean if you you know if you're making the call for for the kick uh, for kicking okay i think that's that's kind of you know fair difficult call and i see the point and let it be but you know First and foremost, I think that there was a foul on the upper body, uh, on the hand, mm. and then, of course, you shouldn't be rewarded with free throws, and that's something which should be changed immediately. I'm not going to wait for the entire season for that. <laughs> Come on now. It's a it's a clear <laughs> loophole in the whole system. I mean, we should do something about it. <laughs> Call Bodhi Raga. Okay. <laughs> just, he said, just he said uh, you Call know, <laughs> I mean, you you don't have it on, him, on your speed dial? actually have his phone Come on, right? I know I know you have you know numbers of all people in the Euroleague and players and and GMs and stuff yeah so why are you changing the topic so immediately you know <laughs> I'm okay I'm okay good. let's go I'm to good. the game of the week yeah let's go to the game of the week two very interesting endings this one was also interesting what do you think about first of all if we were talking about the officiating there was this uh mistake that it was uh, proved approved by the Euroleague that Vasily Mitic should have been awarded free free throws mm. in the end of the regulation, I think. Uh, I mean, he seemed to have injured his ankle, but we have seen it so many times now that, you know, he injures his ankle and then comes back playing the next game or even the same game. Uh, to me, it seemed like he rolled his ankle by himself and then uh i think it was john brown mm -hmm. uh yeah. he just stepped on his he just stepped on on his foot i mean maybe even you know making the contact worse but um because what's important to mention that he even lost his shoe yeah and you know if you're i don't i don't imagine just you know hitting his ankle or let's say being him the initiator of the contact mm. and then message losing his shoe it was a very interesting situation actually it was really it was more of John Brown jumping on his foot than you know Mitic jumping on John's brown foot. Yeah, That's no, 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 no. I, that was the shoe. Yeah, it, in my eyes, it was just Mitic landing, and first Mitch is landing, maybe landing bad on the with the Ankle. with one foot, and then John Brown immediately just stepping on on his shoe. So, yeah. uh, if they said it was a foul, you know, I'm not going to argue and say you know, you know, yeah, it's not a foul. So. Yeah. Yeah, it was a difficult situation, but the best thing is that there is so much to discuss about uh, besides that. Uh, oh, yeah. Like, I mean, first of all, I think, you know, Euroleague, Marshall Glickman should do something. I think that they're listening to this pod. I know that they're reading our articles, which is good, and I believe that they're listening to this pod. I think that Marshall Glickman, he's a great, mm, you know, marketing guy. 
He's, he, I think he's a great promo promoter. He has a, a lot of experience working for the Trailblazers and in the NBA, different departments. Mm. They should do something about, you know, Mike, you know, mics during games mm. and my only regret of that game was that mike james and will Clyburn they weren't mic'd up you know to listen their trash talk not just playing <laughs> against each other but just the whole game they were you know chit-chatting all the time and it was it was joy to watch them you know playing that way having oh, yeah. these amazing stat stat lines defending one another defending one another one of which them. actually doesn't really makes a lot of sense for um, especially for monaco for monaco yeah but <laughs> but you know solely uh, for monaco let's say. <laughs> and those two minutes where uh, Clyburn started guarding james uh in the mm -hmm. end of the second quarter you know you knew it seemed like you know two friends just playing in the playground one-on-one -on -one because mike james went four straight possessions at him it was and just it was, their moment. Let's yeah, say it was just there. They were having their moment, their friendship moment. I don't know why it was. It was funny to see. Um, it seemed like not a Euroleague game, but a playground game. And then uh, after, and then the halftime came, and Mike a little, slowed down a little bit. You know, he was uh, still guarded by Will all the third quarter, but he was basically standing in a corner, letting the other guy play play four and four because Will was so close to him. So. Uh, but that was that was a, a fun thing to see, and as as you say, just having you know, for example, a video released today with what they were talking. I mean, probably a lot of that talk uh, would have been beeped and uh, and other stuff. But it was just, I mean, you could have a lot of contact uh, content, uh, uh -huh. extra content, and from, it's from nothing that game. you know what is not possible. I mean, you can you can watch NBA games. A lot of stations where not only coaches but players also it's not, might. It's have. nothing new, you know. It's just amazing, yeah. yeah. And uh, every week or two, you can find some very interesting matchups, you know, for that kind of uh, situation to use these technologies mm. uh, to to record all these sounds. And you know, because that's what I thought talking about this game. Also, the follow up uh, topic we have with this crazy Maccabi tweet that Euroleague actually needs matchups and putting a highlight and more spotlight on these matchups because that's what actually, you know, for example, NBA, the way they started their success, especially financially, it was ba basically created on Magic Johnson and Larry Bird rivalry. Uh, of course, they were amazing players and that rivalry, you know, first and foremost started with their on-court uh, skill, uh, ability, and you know the mm. pure joy of what they created in, in the basketball uh, on the basketball floor, but at the same time, you know this Lakers Celtics rivalry, Larry Bird against Magic Johnson, one being you know Afro American, other guy being a white guy, you know, and these times it was it was a big topic as mm. well, which also you know kind of inspired this this rivalry. But then we also saw some other situations: LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony, a lot of other rivalries. It actually ha helps the game, and in the Euroleague. You don't have such thing like rivalries between players. And this was one of the rare matchups between two good friends, very skilled players, which you would like to, you know, give more spotlight. I mean, we should do something about these, you know, matchups. For sure. Maccabi tried, but it's not, <laughs> not in that way. We'll, we'll get to Maccabi later, but of just. Of course, of course. Uh, stories now, storytelling run the world. And, uh, you know, NBA is at its best, you know, creating stories. You don't, I mean, they sometimes even fabricate stories, but but their storytelling is just so great and their product is, 
you know, that's why it is so great. And Euroleague is, uh, lacks a, a bit of that, as you said, you know, player rivalries, team rivalries, because all we have is just some historic, uh, historic matchups between teams, but something new, there is not, I don't see something new forming and uh, that would be great for European basketball. Uh, anyway, first story from this game is, okay, Mike, Mike won, you know, Monaco won and he hates, and he hit some crazy tough shots. I mean, how he's keeping balance on, on some of these mid-range shots is insane hmm. to me. But uh, Will Clyburn is simply not legal on Anadolu FS. I mean, even without Shane Larkin, they, first of all, he's a fresh face. So he brings to Anadolu what they didn't have last year, some motivation, some aggressiveness. But he is just, together with Vasilya Micic, they're so dangerous and so good. He can do everything on the court, especially offensively. And, you know, the thing that he took the Monaco's best player and said, okay, I'm uh, I'm going to guard him because I'm I'm bigger, I'm taller, and I can lock him up, you know, face guarding Mike James is also for me a thing that stands out. So uh he had an uh, excellent game. Twenty-eight points. Six uh six rebounds, six assists, if I'm not mistaken. LeBron he, James he did uh, you can you can make that kind of comparison yeah. and uh just you know he's can you imagine that he's playing after this heavy injury i mean that's just crazy he's probably even maybe better than 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 he was you know before i mean uh um knocking down three pointers collapsing the defenses and making the right decisions you know two or three times we saw him drive into the paint or post up collapse three defenders kick it out to open teammates and they're knocking easy spot up shots so uh just doing everything for for that team and um i know vasilya mitchett still had had the ball in the last seconds and you know because that's how vasilya mitchett play he always wants the ball in the pick and roll and in the last seconds but will Clyburn and their duo is simply something illegal and i don't want to even imagine what's going to happen when shane larkin comes back i think the problem was as you mentioned message he returned on the floor after that injury in the extra time and mm. I was missing Will Clyburn taking more shots. Misich had the ball in his hands a lot of times. Of yeah. course, that was also because of Monaco's defensive presence. But at the same time, I just wanted to see Will Clyburn being more involved. He he had only I two points and one shot in the extra time. I don't think that was because of Monaco's defensive, uh, you know, stuff that they did in overtime. They didn't do anything particular mm. i think it was just vasilia mitchell's you know establishing a let's say not a hierarchy but um yeah just you know showing who's he, the alpha he, dog of that team yeah he always he always wants the ball you know mm. if, if, if you see him during the games he's dominating the ball every game he doesn't care about you know that's shane larkin is close you know yeah he sometimes gives some space because you know you need to sometimes also reserve energy and stuff but He's always dominating the ball. That's how it was in Jalgiris. That's how it is for the last four years uh, in Anadolu. So I'm not surprised. And uh, but but I agree that you know in a game like this, and especially if you are feeling something wrong with your ankle, you kind of need to share the ball a little bit more with Will Clyburn, especially with Mike James guarding him. Mm -hmm. Even though Monaco later changed it up because. Uh, yeah. Will scored a couple times in the post, and then uh, 
And then uh, Sasha Bradovich uh, said, okay, Alpha Diallo, you, you go play instead of Monaco playing the free guard lineup. Yeah. This free guard lineup is an interesting thing. I mean, they had Mai James, Okobo, and Lloyd playing clutch minutes mm -hmm. uh, against FSN. Thank God, Sasha Bradovich decided to change the lineup with like less than two minutes to play because it, it was getting bad, really. FS came back, Bill Clyburn was using the mismatch situation every time. I think that um, he was involved in all the field goals of the last five minutes of the fourth quarter, either by making three-pointers or assisting creating from a uh, low post situation against Mike James when Monaco decided to play, you know, double team on him. In, in the overtime, you mean? Uh, no, in the fourth quarter. Fourth quarter. Yeah. It was that stretch when the result oh, yeah, was like yeah. 70 seventy. There was the situation where uh, Will was posting up Mike and... Um, what, Yunus? Uh, no, him? Adrian Moorman came to, came to mm -hmm. help like from the 45 on the opposite uh -huh. side and uh, Amath Mbwe just hit an open shot. And I mean... Will wasn't that close to the rim, but if Mike James is guarding Will Clyburn, then uh, you know you kind of think you have to help your your point guard. Uh, even though Mike was you know uh, raising his hands after after that, you know I didn't I did not understand what he meant because you kind of think you have to go help in this situation, but uh, at the same time Mike maybe thought that you know I had Will. Uh, so far from the basket, mm. so I don't need help. But you know, it's a tricky situation with a uh, smaller guy guarding uh, Will Clyburn in the post. And then after after that uh, three pointer, Will came back and just scored two points in early early post up. Yeah. So it was uh, you know like a reminder that you still need help there. Yeah, and this this guard lineup is something what Obradovich at or experiments a bit or he really likes it I, and i watched stats uh there were three games including paris game the recent one on on weekends but most of the time he tried these lineups all in the yearly because in one of the usually in french league games they're resting one of his uh, main guards mm. and so far they played together i mean lloyd okobo and mike james together for like nine minutes and more or less 20 30 seconds and they were down by 10 no Minus 16, their plus minus is minus 16. So just mm. another example that either it's not working and might not work out during the season or it really needs a lot of time. I think it needs more time to, uh, first of all, to make some conclusions for... Yeah, of course, for the sample make, size is very make, small so To make far. conclusions, um, I think Jordan Lloyd needs some more time to understanding, you know, how to be efficient on that team. I mean... His presence on the court is not always felt, and you can see uh, very clearly how he feels much better when he's on the ball, and how he's questioning his decisions when he gets the ball, you know, on kickout, closeout. Mm -hmm. If Will Clyburn is already adjusted and he's extremely perfect with that situation, you know, either shooting, either driving, making the right decision every time, Jordan Lloyd needs some more time. I see him struggling a little bit on these, uh, when, when he's not on the ball, let's say. Uh, I remember, I think he went scoreless in his first game, and I think that he scored his first field, go field goal, or even the first points, actually, only in the third qu quarter of the game against FS. So it's crazy to think about such a scorer like Jordan Lloyd, 
making mm. his first points after six quarters, basically. But <laughs> from what I've also heard, uh, that's also part of the small minor injury he has, which still kind of holds oh, okay. him back that from is, you know showing explains. his true potential. That's why he he scored only three points so far in 44 minutes of playing the EuroLeague against Virtus and mm. FS combined. But so. is this official information? Uh, I'm okay, not so I sure. understand. <laughs> and I think that this it might be related to back issues, and you know, back is tough. And kind of it kind of explains his hesitation. You know, you can see that he is not hundred percent, and mm. it's part of the you know, let's see, um, adjusting his game with these new lineups, with these new teammates. And actually, mm. the first quarter was the best example that it was like, you know, okay, Mike James, now I'm going to try to score. Then there's Okobo, then there's Lloyd, and the Finally, Monaco found their rhythm through defense in the second quarter when there was Dante Hall, Alfa Diallo, and Strozel on the court. That was an amazing quarter by all these three guys. And I think that Strozel, I mean, he was very needed, um, let's say, defensive-minded presence on during that game for Just Monaco. because aggressive. Yeah, nobody could, you know, stay in front of Misic, Clyburn, or, I don't know, Bobois, or Elijah Bryant, anybody, you name it, uh, mm. any perimeter player. Only Strizel finally, you know, stopped them, and it really, you know, f- helped them to find the rhythm. And they won the second quarter by nine points. That and was Strizel plus minus in five minutes only was plus for 13 during that quarter. Plus 13, Strizel. Yeah. While Jordan Lloyd was minus 21... Uh, during 20, the entire game? During the entire game. Uh, minus 23, even minus 23, wow. In 22 minutes. Why does it show minus 21 for me? Whatever. I'm using it, the politics of Mikolas okay. Stumras, the legendary was, that, uh, god. Shout out, to me, shout out to Mikolas. Yeah, <laughs> everybody use bpolitics.com. That's a great not, database, actually. Not sponsored. Not sponsored. Uh, anyway, Jordan Lloyd was minus 21 in 21 minutes, and also, you know, most of the time, if El Yacobo is leading the second unit and uh, he has a clear role already, you know, you come in, you'll be the playmaker, you uh, orchestrate the offense, you play pick and rolls, you attack. Uh, Jordan Lloyd is playing most of the time with Mike uh, James. And, um, you know, he, he has time to figure it out. And as if, if you said, you know, he has some uh, health problems, uh, then it's more clear why the picture looks like this at the moment. You know, the the only shot he made, he was completely wide open. And uh, you, you know, he couldn't have done anything else in that situation. But whenever you have to decide either to drive, either to shoot, he was seemed to be making, you know, the opposite uh, decision from what, from what was needed. But um, yeah, it's only two games. So I, I don't think you know, any serious trouble will mm-hmm. be in the future with him. Uh, you mentioned the run in the second quarter when the defense of Strazel and others. And during that run, what I noticed was Anadolu's transition defense. Mm-hmm. They scored, uh, <laughs> Monaco scored, wait, I'm going to find that. They scored uh, 11 points in a row in five fast break possessions. And uh, they were zero fouls made before bonus. Uh, not a lot of uh, matchups were, you know, taken in the in the fast break defense. Um, but it, it it was. I mean, I was watching it. I was surprised and not surprised at the same yeah. moment because it's Anadolu, and they win games by scoring points. They don't 
care that much as other teams do about transition defense, uh, making fouls and... Uh, we can talk about it here, but they're going to do the same thing next yeah. week and the week after that, and probably in the EuroLeague final if, yeah. they're, if they're going to do that. So um, the fast break difference was crazy. 17 to 3. Wow. Uh, Anadolu, uh, Monaco scored 17 points in fast break, and Anadolu had only had only three. So uh, anything else you have to add I about just this? I tried to find some stats uh, comparison with these transition points and the way they are allowing all these uh, points. Give me a second. Uh, uh, I can add one more thing. I was, uh, I really enjoyed watching Mike James playing really hard defense on the Rodrigue Boba at the start of the game. Mm -hmm. you, could, you could see that this game was uh, a bit more special than others for Mike. I mean, uh, you know, maybe playing against Anadolu, against champions, his buddy Will, Will Clyburn. And uh, he seemed really focused into the game and just his desire to win this game was at the highest of the levels, you know. And just playing uh, really, really great aggressive defense off the ball and on the ball, uh, contesting uh, Bobois' shot and everything. So I was, I was looking at him uh, from the beginning of the game and you can see that it was... A bit more personal than others. It was a tough game for Mike James, actually. Uh, after the first three quarters, he had only six points. He was only one of seven. Uh, and I think his plus and minus was minus 12. But that's this is why you need Mike James on your team. You can question his shot selection in the last minutes of the game. But when the game was on the line, in both situations, in the fourth quarter, he tied the game with crazy mid-range shot. It was very tough shot. In the Incredible. overtime, it was uh, the same. He made one of these crucial shots uh, to win the game for his team. And he scored seven points in the four quarters and six points in the overtime. So 13 points in 14 minutes uh, starting from the fourth quarter. So, And that's why they signed Jordan Lloyd, Okobo, and others, you know, to carry the team in moments when Mike James cannot find his shot, but, you know, to surround him with quality enough players, top-level top talents offensively as well, including Donatos Motunas, for example, who had an amazing offensive great, game, great game with some nice defensive effort, especially with that play when he stole the ball from Will Clyburn, made this, you know, over his head assist and initiated the tr amazing transition and fast break uh, situation. Uh, so, yeah, shout out to Mike for, let's say, showing up, showing up in this crucial moments and yeah this this game actually had a lot of interesting matchups i mean Zizic against Matiunas two very similar centers and i think that Matiunas was even uh, better in this game there is Moerman against Mbaya Moerman former former FS player which you know they decided to let him go we needed some fresh legs mm. and they brought Mbaya who was under Monaco's radar for probably two seasons. They were kind of, you know, hunting for him because he's another French uh, player, which is very valuable for the French championship. Then you have this Rodrigue Bobois, Elio Kobo thing, you know, two French scorers, Mike James, Will Clyburn, Mike James, Vasily Misic. It was an amazing game, yeah. uh, really. And uh, one thing to add, I think that John Brown was robbed during this game. This game. I think there were, were at least two fouls. He got the foul where uh, he actually tipped the ball, uh, or, uh, you know, he did a great defensive stop, but refs thought that it was a foul, and he had this foul trouble, uh, actually. So, But, you know, Monaco is uh, so deep that, such a deep team that uh, you can just... I, I was not missing, you know, him mm -hmm. so, as much. 
No, no, no. In this game, for sure, that was not the case. Okay, I couldn't find... Uh, at least this year, FS transition defense is second worst uh, in the EuroLeague, but this is, you know, the stat only after the two games. Mm. Last year, I tried to check quickly. The situation wasn't that bad. Of course, they were in the lower part of the uh, standings uh, in this category, but they were not, let's say, at least the worst team. That's all mm. for, for the game of the week, right? Yeah. Uh, tweet of the week or tweet of the month or tweet of the year. We should have this topic every week, I think. Tweet, I hope tweet that somebody will week. bring, you know, content like this, like Maccabi did. What was your initial reaction? I was like, man, that's not going to be okay. I mean, that's not going to be unnoticed by the EuroLeague players and everybody, by fans, by everybody, just in general. Uh, I was just surprised that he posted it. I mean, I know probably some... I don't know who posted it, but if I had to guess, that was some salty intern making <laughs> making such a post. I mean, you don't... Whatever happened there with Scotty and Maccabi leaving and, uh, you know, just Scotty Wilbekin mentioning uh, a couple of weeks ago, you know, on our Instagram, Basket News Instagram yeah. post that he didn't... Wow, Maccabi had so much money, you know? Yeah. They were uh, so... You could only imagine what was happening behind the scenes, but you just don't do a post like this after one game. I mean, after you, the post, game? you post averages after one game. That's not even averages. That's just one, one game stats, you know. And uh, You're posting this after one game where Wilbekin got injured in the fifth quarter and didn't return in the game against Bayern Munich. And that's where he scored these six points. And you're posting <sighs> this in tweet after, you know, putting, you know, Wilbekin on the spotlight where he spent four years in Maccabi. And, you know, you can argue if it went good or wrong for the team, uh, if it was a bad fit Come or on, if you it had was a bad franchise player. But you had I him mean, for four years. Exactly. And he was dedicated for his team and he didn't leave Maccabi because his, of his own will. He had this contract, yes, but I mean, Maccabi were also, you know, they agreed to sell him for a good money. Mm. And that's how you go with this tweet. I mean, especially when the player got hurt. I mean, I like rivalries, as I said. We should do some stuff to highlight these rivalries, but not in this way. Not <laughs> with your not. former player who spent there four years and who was, you know, he played his heart out. And I, I was actually surprised by Wilbekin's thoughts and thoughts in this interview. I think that he um, did this interview uh, on on one uh, for Moses Barda, great Israeli journalist, where he said that he was pissed when Maccabi fired Yanis Feropoulos. He actually said that he kind of lost the motivation because he was like. Are we going to blame blame our head coach for all the bad things that were happening? I mean, he disagreed with this decision uh, completely. Mm. And you, from his reaction towards Maccabi's budget, you could understand that probably the money was kind of the, one of the factors behind his move to Fenerbahce, at least how it was communicated from Maccabi's side. So maybe that's why he was also surprised. So, I mean, I, I liked some of his uh, thoughts and to go with post like this. I mean, we have to... Put this. Uh, let's put it this way. Maccabi were actually the, let's say, Twitter MVP of the off season. If you remember well, oh, the yeah. way they were, mm -hmm. uh, let's say, uh, the way they did promo for the upcoming signings, for the official announcements, was something you know exceptional in the Euroleague. They were unique, and they were amazing. So, either 
this post was a mistake, this comparison was a mistake. Probably it was a mistake because it was deleted. Because if you go all in with that kind of, you know, rivalry, creating that kind of noise before the game, let it be. It's your choice. But they deleted it, like, in one hour. So probably that was some harsh mistake by the social media team. I, I can't imagine this uh, being passed on to the higher levels of, uh, of the organization and everyone saying, yeah, you know, yeah. this is fine. This, yeah, yeah, you know, post it, post it immediately. I can't imagine this. He spent four years playing for that team. He gave it all out. You know, maybe you did not, uh, you know, win as much as Maccabi wants mm -hmm. every year, but you have to consider in the fact that they were changing players each summer as well around him, changing coaches. They were like in top five during the COVID year when the season was shut down. Yeah, but... Yeah. Still, it, like last years of Maccabi are not the results Maccabi expects, you know, each each summer. And I mean, it was just ridiculous to see this this posted. Yeah, just I mean, uh, all the other teams just go for it, create these rivalries. We had some examples in Lithuania. If you remember, Letkabilis was very aggressive on social media a few years ago when they mm. were roasting Jalgiris, everyone basically creating drama, and you know. It was it was noticed by fans, by players, by coaches, and that's amazing. It put just more drama, uh, more sweets uh, for that game. But you can, you have to be also not only creative but smart the way you're you, you know do roasting it, your you opponent. You don't do it against your ex main player leader and who was injured, and that's why he has this statute of one game. Uh, my first thought was first thought uh, was okay let's make this the same thing after i mean if i'm if i'm fenerbahce i'm making the same thing after the end of the season mm, or i thought that bilbekin will dominate it will dominate that mm. game so much that that's why Fener, you, that's why you even tuned in and man, didn't watch Jalgiris. i skipped Jalgiris olympiakos just just for this and i have to say that game was pretty miserable i mean fener won mm. by a 15 there was not much competition i mean there were some interesting moments like goodrich played amazing game with 23 points six rebounds motley had nice game wilbekin was hot in the beginning of the game while baldwin was actually missing shots but in the second half it kind of you know changed and baldwin was scoring more they ended uh, up in quite similar numbers baldwin 14 points wilbekin 12. calatis was having a great game with 13 points three 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 pointers three of four freeze that's why he said that he's gonna improve his three-point shooting for the season and you're gonna see it come and on I mean, guys i'm not 20 years old <laughs> so but you know the game was miserable just because especially Maccabi, they're still lacking chemistry. I mean, there were at least three moments. I just remember three main plays of that game. Josh Nibu and Alex Poitras fighting for the same defensive or offensive rebound, and, you know, the ball is going out of bounds and Maccabi is losing the ball. <laughs> then Baldwin or somebody else, they're shooting the three-pointer. The ball hits the rim, it bounces, but it goes actually down the net, almost. But then Josh Nibu comes and that's just put back dunk. And instead of three-pointer, it's a two-point play. And it happened twice during the same game. And it, uh, I mean, we're talking about one player, but generally speaking, it just illustrates the chemistry they're still lacking. But I'm not judging anybody. And I think that sometimes you made too early, too premature uh, judgments before the season. Although we cannot miss the fact that Lorenzo Brown just came to this team, the main focal player of this mm. team. He joined them only in the end of September. Now we're on 
October 17th, what kind of chemistry they can build with Lorenzo Brown and Wade Baldwin, with the new head coach, with all these 10, 11 new players during the span of three, four weeks. I mean, we have to wait at least one month or two to make some, you know, uh, judgments, uh, let's mm. say. So I'm I'm not blaming them. It's a natural part of the uh, early season stage, and a lot of teams are facing the same issues. And you know they're not unique in this department. So I'm okay. I'm I'm pr- very diplomatic with the <laughs> so far. <laughs> very diplomatic. Yeah. And okay. What else do we have? Uh, going to the end, there is Olympiakos, a bit. Olympiakos, Ralgiris, and Panathinaikos, Red Star. You watched, let's say, more focused Olympiakos game. Yeah. What would be your main take? My main take would be is just that uh, Olympiakos have so many different weapons. I mean, Mustafa Fall maybe didn't have a great first game, but he's always going to be a big problem when the opposing team doesn't have a really strong center. And uh, Kivaris Hayes or Roland Schmitz, who played a lot of uh, in the center position, weren't enough to stop him. And uh, even though Jalgiris tried to, you know, make up for that by playing Schmitz at the five position in offense and got some success early at the start, but Mustafa Fall was just dominant and uh, on the court, as was Sasha Vizenkov. We talked about, about him a lot in the last week and uh he delivered another mvp type of performance 37 efficiency 23 points 14 rebounds um and with uh costas papanicolaou wasn't playing so he had to play 30 36 minutes he basically was everywhere killing on the slip screens against Jalgiris switches um getting rebounds making you know tough some some tough three pointers as well uh, but I know he had a 35, 37 efficiency, but for me, Thomas Walkup was the star of the night. Uh, he had 10 points, six assists, two steals, 20 efficiency. Casual you know, stat line for casual Thomas stat line for Thomas Walkup, but just the defense he played on Keenan Evans, it w- was amazing. And, um, Keenan Evans scored 14 points, but most of them came late in the game where the game was kind of already decided and uh but he took only one shot in the first half and thomas walker was just all over him in you know all over the court uh not letting him receive the ball easily then you know pushing him ever, ever just giving him contact all the, all the time and uh a lot of uh let's say people in Lithuania were asking you know why is keenan evans not being as aggressive and you know, when you are playing against Thomas Walkup and he makes you work all the court, all, you know, 28 or meters, uh, just to receive the ball, just to have some space to relax. So when you arrive and Olympiaco switches, and if you're Keenan Evans, imagine how much energy you have already used to even get the ball and arrive at this situation. And now you have to attack a big guy with stunts coming in from one pass away against Olympiaco's defense. So I think his work is, you know, we don't see it on the stat line as much as, let's say, you know, Sasha, Sasha Vizenkov has 14 rebounds. We see it, but sometimes a rebound is much easier to get than, you know, playing some great defense, but the defense is even more valuable. So um, 
he was, I think, 31st on the, or 30th on our Basket News ranking. He was early in the 30s. Yeah. yeah. And that just shows you why. I mean, this, this little work and, and, and this defense. And of course, my guy, Yanulis Lorenzakis, is hitting <laughs> important shots. And uh, I mean, that's just a great story. I enjoy watching. Yeah, Lorenzakis had the second best plus minus in his team. After Bezenkov, of course. Are you surprised? Not at all. But Not you know, we on the Q&A pod, there was a question, can Bezenkov be an MVP of this season? So far, he's the MVP of the round two. If he's, you know, putting up these kind of numbers, and I know Papa Nicolaou didn't play, so he's probably not going to play as much minutes when he comes back. He played 37 minutes against Jalgiris. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot, but... Um, he was super efficient. I mean, 37 efficiency, what can you say? 23 points, 14 rebounds. Another great game, and we're not surprised by Sasha Vizenkov. Uh, and uh, another game where Isaiah Cannon kind of struggles and this time he played 12 minutes and was just simply bullied uh, defensively against Ignaz Brozdekis. Uh Jalgris were attacking through him at the start of first quarter, at the start of the uh, third quarter and uh, this is what go what is going to happen uh, more when Olympiakos meets teams uh, who have you know stronger second position players and maybe you know Tyler Dorsey at this point you know, he's taller, he's maybe a bit stronger, so he wouldn't be that, you know, kind of um, that that exposed as much as Cannon was. Yeah, I that's, have, that's all for Olympiakos. I have a few thoughts on our Greek team, Panathinaikos, and I, somewhere I lost my notes about them, but anyway, I, from, from what I remember, uh, we were, we kind of undervalued them before the season. We just don't, didn't have an eye on them uh, based on their roster, on Yeradonich experience working abroad because I think the only experience he had outside Balkan countries was Bayern Munich and they, they had a terrible season that year. I think that they were um, dead last in the EuroLeague standings, standings and it was really uh, awful experience in, in, in Munich. Uh, so we had some arguments why we don't believe in this team but so far for what I like, of course they're missing a lot of things. But there are a few things I like. Uh, they were never surrendering. Uh, even against Red Star, they were down by five, less than three minutes to play. I think it was like two and 30. And it felt like, you know, Red Star, they're playing in their home ground and probably they're going to close the game. They were mm. playing okay. And Panathinaikos, you know, they were just missing something. But, you know, Radonjic is Radonjic. He brings that defensive mentality. And basically they, you know, won the game with the, amazing defensive uh, effort with a great defensive lineup. And there were a few key moments I had uh, from this game. First of all, offensively, there is Marius Grigonis. Uh, he had awful experience against Real Madrid and then in the Greek uh, Super Cup, uh, where he was 2 of 23. Against the Red Star, he comes and scores 17 points, although he got, although he got in early foul trouble when he was benched after three minutes uh, of the first quarter. Only six shot attempts. Only six shot attempts. Yeah, that's that was he was super efficient. He made some clutch uh, shots in the fourth quarter. Then there is Arturas Gudaitis. And what I liked that 
when I watched Real Madrid Panathinaikos, I thought that Panathinaikos they were up, but I thought that they lost their rhythm when Gudaitis was benched. And then they brought Papayanis. They tried to force some offensive situations through Papayanis. He was also attacked on the other end. And finally, Real won the game. The game started to slip away when Papayanis showed up there once again in the end of the fourth quarter. But what I liked that Radonjic, he had balls to put Papayanis on the bench. Let's see his biggest biggest star of the team. He made the second All-Euroleague team last season. Mm. He's probably the best uh, paid guy on the team. And, you know, um, he's a Greek player. And it's hard to put that kind of caliber players on the bench. Radonjic had the balls uh, for it. He brought back Gudaitis. And, you know, Gudaitis is... In a normal situation, you wouldn't go with Gudaitis to close the game. But actually, he made a difference defensively. And with some good stops, one included both uh, Grigonis and Gudaitis uh, just locking down some offensive situation. And offensively, he he had a crucial offensive rebound that was followed up by N1 play. I think that it probably even tied the game. Uh, so he brought this energy. Then there was Mateusz Ponitka uh, with amazing four-quarter effort. Uh, he had two steals. And again, in the last five minutes of the game, he had also one block and he scored eight points in the fourth quarter. And then there was Derek Williams. I mean, personally, it was, I would say, team victory, uh, team which didn't surrender, team that, you know, had this victory through grind, through difficulties, and that's how this Panathinaikos should should go. Let's hope that they're going to add some another uh, probably stretch four guy or the guy who can also play as a five uh, in, in some lineups uh, for defensive reasons. And then they might be even better in this close competition between the bottom eight teams, uh, let's say, to be somewhere close in the playoff race. But, mm. I mean, at, so far, Panathinaikos, they're better than I thought uh, before the season. It's, it's still very early, but they had some nice... Uh, nice things, and I like the way they stepped up, uh, stepped up compared to the previous uh, two games. And of course, I'm super happy for Lithuanian guys. I mean, Grigonis, Gudaitis, Grigonis. Uh, I believe he was questioned in Gre- in Greece, you know, for having this tough, tough stretch. Well, just two games, you know. I was so sure that I even took him on a fantasy mm. <laughs> uh, that he's going to score points in this game and and be you know efficient. Um, and what was interesting, I mean, Dwayne Bacon was kind of... Man. Do you want to talk about this story a, b- a bit? <laughs> I mean, I love my colleagues in Greece. And, you know, usually I... Don't get too controversial, you know? Not I'm right not now. controversial, but I mean, I didn't see... Did you see that Instagram uh, chat between the journalist and Bacon? Oh, you didn't even see it. What? In our, in our uh, chat? In our chat, yeah. Yeah, I saw it. Oh, you know the whole story, right? I know, I know. I didn't see the beginning of that conversation. You know, we don't know. Maybe the journalists ask if I can ask you something and put it for the article, to use it for the article. If that was the case, everything is all right. Bacon would like to play for Panathinaikos. But I mean, if that wasn't the case, and if the journalist made the story only from the casual Bacon's answer, would you like to play for Panaikos? Yeah, sure, I'm a free agent. Why not? I mean, <laughs> and then there, at least in the article, there was a sense, there was a sentence that I would be extremely happy to play in this club or something like that, you know, which was 
taken out of the context probably i mean that's just a very bad journalism and i'm not a i'm not surprised why some players are really paranoid paranoid when i, I just ask something on instagram or on whatsapp for example and they're just like i'm not talking on the record right and i'm like come on now if i would put anything on the story i would ask you if can i use it if you're okay if not mm -hmm. let it be we're just having the conversation so a lot of players are real afraid if it won't be used on social media uh, on the article for example and that's why even some players they're not responding because they don't know with what kind of journalism they're dealing and that's one of the reasons why they're paranoid because you know mm. this random conversation might not, might end up becoming an article and you're obviously you know if you're a free agent and someone asks you know would you like to play for an x team and i like why the hell would you say no your usual answer is yeah you know i would love to play for for an x team for Panathinaikos, for you know uh baron munichen or for olympia milano mm -hmm. you know if you're a free agent you are trying to explore your options and if you are a free agent in in the middle of october you are not denying i think any option yeah if it's yeah. if it's financially makes sense to you so um i mean that was just a weird story and but this is uh what i was reminded uh what i thought about when you said that panathinaikos is looking for some you know improvements to to their mm -hmm. roster and um even though dwayne bacon is one hell of a player then radonich said uh they're looking for more you know stretch four type of position mm -hmm. even though Dwayne played some minutes you know at the four position he's not you know naturally yeah playing yeah. that that uh that position so I I kind of understand why they're opting to look into another direction yeah we're actually running out of time and we discussed <laughs> so many things that we didn't even mention El Clasico Barcelona Real Madrid game but yeah we don't have a lot of to say about that game except from one fact that really surprised us right <laughs> it was weird to see the <laughs> the start of the game where uh Tomas Satoransky just scored in every possession and Chacho Rodriguez was guarding him when uh Hezonia was guarding uh La yeah and every time on the left block it was always Satoransky posting Chacho <laughs> and they were always scoring either Santoransky or it was you know pass kick out and the three-pointer by Shandy or anybody else I cannot remember on such a high level watching the same actual play for three consecutive minutes I mean usually you know when you're looking at Charis Barcelona the first three or four offenses are uh, planned you have the same start of the set but you have different endings it's probably every game you know he he does it and the team executes it but if your first option you know <laughs> scores you you know and the opponent is not changing anything why not go at it again and you know since Real Madrid was strangely not changing anything because the, the easy answer was you know running two meters yeah. uh, next next to uh, you know Chacho Rodriguez but I don't know it was just a weird start to that game yeah and you know just the fact that Barca won solidly except from that crazy end of the game where they almost lost the game just in wow. typical Barca style you know they're just liking this killer instinct but I mean the way they played 
Mm, the rest of 35 minutes, that's impressive because you cannot forget that they're playing with the highest paid player in the EuroLeague, Nikolai Mirotic, the key player of, of Barcelona. Kyle Kuric is also out, mm-hmm. the main shooter of Shara system. So he's lacking of huge shooting presence, uh, huge scoring presence. So that's impressive fact. And, you know, it kind of reminds us that they're okay. I mean, they're getting this pressure. Uh, they're missing guys, but they're winning games against against very solid teams. Like I said, you know, it's not strange to see Shertak Shanley having a big game against uh, Real Madrid and Tavares. Uh, like I said, you know, before the season, you know, Charis is one of the best game planning each game, and uh, you know, just maybe you are not think you you don't think the Barcelona are supposed to win this game or the next game, whatever, maybe the opponent is having a great run or, or super, uh, you know, or they have a super team, but Charles just knows how to use the weaknesses and the strengths of the players he has at the moment. So some games, you know, just are won by him and the execution of, of the players, obviously on the court. So they're one-on-one and, and uh, you know, they will have some problems without Mirotic and without Courage because they, I don't know, they have a lot of set plays for these two when mm-hmm. they're healthy. They, I don't know, together took up, I think, 30% of their offense, maybe 40% of their offense when they are on the court. So uh, it's going to be hard, but I believe they're going to be just fine. And since, you know, they simply need to arrive in the playoffs and have the home court advantage, preferably. So they should be able just to do to, to do just that. Um, that's it or GM, GM survey? survey. Okay. I was short notes on the GM survey. Uh, I did the GM survey and we published four different parts of the f- uh, of it last week. You can actually fi- find it on basketnews.com. For example, it, now it's, you know, on the top of the website, but you can check the new category, news category, and there you will see some recommended articles, including the GM survey. Uh, and you will find all four parts in every um, survey article. But what impressed you the most? What surprised you the most? The way the GM's thinking. I, I, I just have to mention that uh, I didn't manage to have all 18 GMs included, but we had 14, and I still mm. think that it's a huge number. It's 80% of all the GMs uh, we have. And some of them, they were just unreachable. For example, Real Madrid, they have this politi- policy of uh, participating only in the official service, like from the EuroLeague or ACB. Mm, nothing mm. with media related. Basconi is just unreachable. I, n- I don't know if it's because of me. Always? Yeah, it's, it's always like that. It's just impossible. They didn't even respond to my email. That was the only team which didn't respond at all anyway. You can say that oh, we're not, just like Real Madrid, we're not participating in this unofficial journeys, uh, service, let's say, but they just didn't respond. That's just another, let's say, republic of basketball uh, map. And know, it's not only the way they work with media, not only the way they handle the media. They're just different parts of the European basketball map. The, so my answer was the GMs wanted new format and the playoff seeds. Uh, mm-hmm. What I would prefer is, you know, making your team available to as much media outlets as possible. I know you have restricted time and stuff, but... This is how the EuroLeague would grow, not with the new format or more playoff teams, even though it would help, you know. Uh, 
to me, the two most, uh, let's say, stunning ones were Barca winning the title. I mean, I just yeah. said all these things about Barcelona, but it was about regular season. We are not, we don't know how Miritich is going to look like after a serious injury like this. It's a big question. It's a big if, when he comes back, how he comes back. And uh, to have them at number one with Anadolu and Real Madrid making such moves in the offseason, uh, that was a bit, you know, stunning for me. I don't know, have you, did me you have same. this uh, noticed as well? I mean, you have to respect Barca. Uh, and I think that they're kind of underrated before the season. They are contenders, obviously, but the fact that they're number one. But there's this feeling that they're amazing, but not this year. I mean, they're just too many great, great and improved teams like Efes, like Milan, Real Madrid. I mean, now Barca is not the, you know, the main odds to win it all. You have this feeling and they are going to win this year, you know, <laughs> because the years before everyone was like, okay, Shares came, they have Miritich, they have all these stars as well. They are going to win. First year, they're not winning. Second year, the same story, they're not winning. Then when you, <laughs> so, I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if everyone now is, a lot of people are not thinking now Barca is, you know, heritage injured and, and then they win this year. <laughs> yeah, to me, it was also one of the biggest surprises. Uh, as I mentioned, I was pleased with the urge for a new format with more teams sure. in the playoffs. That's that's an obvious one. And I think that Dan Bodiroga already mentioned something about the new format considerations and mm. it has to be, you know, sold one way uh, or another. Other than that, maybe I was a bit surprised that FS were snubbed in the conversation of the best EuroLeague, modern EuroLeague team ever. They had yeah. only one vote, actually, and top three teams were Fenerbahce 2017, Maccabi with Anthony Parker, Sharas and Bucic, and also, yeah. and also, and also, Bars of 2003 with Bodroga, Sharas, Fuchka, somebody else. I and think that they were missing Panathinaikos. Panathinaikos wasn't there? Panathinaikos received two votes, but these, uh, not two votes, there were multiple votes, but these votes were for different, different Panathinaikos teams. One uh. of 20, 2002, I think, with Bodiroga, and the other one was, I think, that with Spanulis, Diamantidis, Mike Batiste, Sharas, uh, Pekovic, uh, it was amazing lineup. Mm. So, I mean, I was just surprised that FS, they didn't receive more votes, uh, and if they go... Uh, for the free pizza, I wonder what you know what would be the results of this survey the next year, for example, if it would have an impact. They're free pitting, then I mean, not gonna say anything, but it's uh, really strong contenders. Yeah. Uh, how would you have your this last thing, I guess, for this pod? How would you have your new format and and playoff seeds? Because I saw that the GMs voted for twelve teams uh, in the playoffs. Uh, mm -hmm. and I don't really, you know, I don't really see that happening. I don't think it's fair that four teams go straight to the mm -hmm. quarterfinals. Um, maybe not fair. I just don't like this idea. You know, four teams skip one, oh. uh, playoff series. I believe, uh, a playing tournament, which is really successful, which have been really successful for the NBA mm -hmm. would do just enough and the cherry on top, I know it's not possible, but uh, last place gets eliminated to Euro Cup mm -hmm. and um, either 16th and 17th, 16th and 17th team play uh, play out okay. game or, or a best of three. 
or the 17th place uh, team plays with the Euro Cup runners-up? I think there was actually even a suggestion by one GM. 20 teams in the EuroLeague and the last two teams are relegated. But your mm. your one is also interesting. You know why I like this top four teams? That, w- that would make for, such a, uh, for so many stories. Mm-hmm. You know, even at the end of the season. Yeah. Not only the playoffs. That's the playoffs tournament would be amazing. That would be some kind of, uh, you know, attention on even the lower bottom teams because sometimes you just yeah. get lost uh, February, let's say March and, mm-hmm. uh, and April. Uh, you just concentrate on playoffs, 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 playoffs. The six last teams don't even get in any attention and mm-hmm. the playout tournament and some eliminations. I know it's probably not possible with the A license licenses that we have in EuroLeague, but that would just be for so much stories, so much uh, interesting stuff, even for the bottom yeah. teams. But you know why I like this top four automatically advancing to the quarterfinals? It's because it would give some value for these top teams to fight for the top four seeds, not to drop mm-hmm. any games, and you know to be fully motivated and to have this pressure. Okay, if we go in top four, we're missing some challenging, especially for your Barca. You don't want any game five story anymore, <laughs> so you're just going through the uh, straight to the quarterfinals. Then you know we have teams from fifth to twelve seeds, so it means more teams are involved uh, because yeah. if you're fourteenth, you still have a chance. Mm-hmm. And I like your idea of playout because it means that actually all the teams are completely involved. Mm-hmm. And you know if if like okay if you're top four seeded team and you have to play this let's say eight finals, it's okay because you can try to avoid some matchups and you know some dangerous opponents and that's your motivation you're driven by it to be the first team but you know this lock for the quarter final would give something extra some extra value mm. although when you think about it you might be losing money because you're not having eight final two home games <laughs> granted you know so it's it's another yeah. thing you know which is worth some consideration what to do to maximize the potential of the playoffs because we all saw how much joy we all get from the playoffs you make extra money. Jargris was making more than 1 million euros from two home games in the playoffs. So if you play playoffs, eight finals, corner finals, we're talking about extra money, uh, extra coverage for TV right holders, for example, more games, more amazing games. Of course, you need, you know, let's say wider calendar. We're talking about like Mm. 10 extra games almost, especially if we're canceling this final four format and we're playing semifinal series and final series talking about a lot of extra games so it, it it should be tough and you know probably it might mean that your league should go closed league way or as once Jelko Bradovic offered this idea to play the European competitions from October to April and then just to play especially for the EuroLeague teams then just to join domestic competition from the playoff stage for example mm. you know just to find some space I mean it requires huge changes in the whole calendar so that's a long shot. This new this decision these new decisions by the new front office by the Real League are going to shape, you know, the way things are going to stand for the next, I don't know, 10, 5, 10, 20 years. So uh gonna be really interesting to see what they decide, when they decide, and uh which path are they going to. Yeah, so you can find more results from the GM survey, as as I mentioned, on basketnews.com website news and then recommended articles. And yeah, we're running out of time uh, and just a short look at the 
games of the week, let's say, our recommendations mm. for the for the games to watch because we will have games from Tuesday to Friday, a lot of games, double game week. But from all these uh, matches, who would you choose to enjoy the most? Uh, from this midweek, I have uh, obviously Real Madrid, uh, Olympiacos. Oh, yeah. Obvious picks. Uh, this is an obvious one. And I have Partizan against uh, Milano in uh, in Belgrade. Their return to the to the you know to the to the Euroleague playing at home and uh, Milan kind of struggling. So uh, it's gonna be an interesting game. And for the others, you know, for the Thursday Friday, I have Jalgiris against Barcelona mm. and. Uh, you know, Shara's coming back to Konas is always a fun thing to watch. Yeah. Uh, he enjoys uh, playing playing here, coaching here. Um, Partizan Virtus. It was like supposed EuroCup final <laughs> last year, which never happened. <laughs> which never happened, which, uh, yeah. Uh, what else? What else do you, do you have? Maybe Bayern Armani. Maybe Bayern Barcelona. Bayern, they're playing home and usually they tend to make things complicated for Barca. <laughs> so so we'll see. To be honest, not so many games. Uh, not so many super exciting games like Monaco and uh, FS, for example. Uh, but let's see. I mean, we saw that they tend to surprise us all. For sure. And we might even discuss valencia Asphalt game, which we <laughs> never do, actually, in some normal circumstances. So, And you know why we're running out of time? Because we have some amazing Beyond Plus community events here. Our colleagues from the Lithuanian podcast, they're having this public pod in, in, in Vilnius with the audience of 80 or 100 Beyond Plus members, subscribers on the Lithuanian version, where we have almost 4,000 people who, are, who make the unique basketball community here in Lithuania. It's, I'm not, you know, kissing my, 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 my ass uh, or... <laughs> Jonas Miklova says he's my boss. But I mean, this is something unique which Basket News has in Lithuania. And we're trying to create something like that uh, globally, internationally. With basketnews.com slash plus, you can become our BN Plus members to get some extra content. And who knows? I mean, our dream would be to have the public podcast during the Final Four event, for example, with subscribers of basketnews.com. So join us, get some extra content, and at the same time, help us to make some more coverage because uh, all these subscriptions, they really help us to grow, but at the same time, not to grow like to buy new cars or something, but to invest in, in, in more basketball coverage uh, here in Europe. And of course, as always, press like button below this video, subscribe our channel, and once again, help us grow to to something. Yeah, to something. To something. And see you guys next week. See you next week. Thank you so much.